there we go. All right, good. Thank you. A little old school here. This is new for me. You know, um, one of the things that as I was talking with Ryan about what I would be able to talk about and look at the word with you about while I was here had to do with really understanding the goal of God for your most important journey. It's such an amazing thing, and I so much appreciated the songs that Mark just led us in the worship team because they really set the perspective that we're going to look at together. And what I want to do here in our study is I want to unfold before you, before your very eyes and in your ears and from the text of the Word of God, the goal that God has for our most important journey. Some of the things I talk about you're going to be familiar with because Ryan's talked about something called the three circles. I'm going to have that a part of this, but I'm going to expand and go beyond that to even an end point further that you'll see. But let's start here. Everything about living in this world, I believe, as you look at the Bible, starts with five non-negotiable realities. First of all is the fact there's only one God. There are not two gods. There are not three gods. There are not millions of gods like they teach in Hinduism. And I've been to India many, many times and heard about that from friends who live there. There's only one God. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. One God. Two, this one God is triune. He's one being with three persons. That's why it says in that famous statement in the Great Commission, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One being, three persons. I think this is crucial to grasp because this clarifies, get this now, I put it up there to see this. This never created One eternal and infinite God has always in every nanosecond of time and even infinitely before he created time. This one true God has always been expressing love to others. This is a huge truth about the one and only God. He is a relationship of love within himself. He has even before creating anything even back when he was the only existing being, he as the one being God has eternally been expressing love within the three persons of himself. Nothing has ever blocked his eternal expression of love to others, Father to Son to Spirit and back and forth. Third, he is both holy and loving. You take either one of those away, you do not have the God of the universe. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God, whose name is holy and then loving. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. For He created all things, everything. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life 
and breath and everything. Now this also is extremely important for us to grasp because of this all-encompassing reality. That which a person creates, they own. And that which they own, they have the right of rulership over. Well, since God created everything, he owns everything. And since he owns everything, he has the right of rulership over everything. That's why you see over and over and over and over again in the Bible, it's saying God is the creator of everything. Meaning, he is also, therefore, the ruler, has the right of rulership over everything. And then fifth, finally, out of his love, he gave us an inspired book so that we could read his book and know absolute truth about himself as God and about ourselves and about the world around us. What a gift of love he has given us in his word. You know the verse, all scripture is breathed out by God. And then Jesus goes and he says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So five foundational non-negotiable realities. There's only one God. He's a trinity. He's holy and loving. He created everything and he gave us a book. And if we get God wrong, we get everything wrong, friends. And our world has gotten God wrong. And they have gotten everything else wrong. So what I want to now do is I want to take those five foundations and we're going to superimpose on top of them these three circles, some of which you will already be familiar with because I know my dear brother Brian has taught you well and he's introduced this to you probably many, many times. But we're going to expand on it now. And we're going to start with that upper right circle, okay? And that upper right circle represents you and me and everyone else. It represents the world. And about that world, the Bible says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. And it goes on and it says that God's goal for the life of every person is that you may have life and have it abundantly. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take our time, we're going to dig deeply down into this wisdom. For as Paul says in... 1 Corinthians, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So our journey starts here. We all know that we live in a broken world. Any one of you, I can say, stand up right now and give me five ways you see evidence that we are living in a broken world. No one would have a problem with that. We know that we live in a broken world. And the Bible says, it says, I have seen everything that is under the sun and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. Now, when we are in brokenness, when this world is in brokenness, it means that everyone in this world dealing with their brokenness, ultimately, they are in pain. Brokenness brings pain. And what does everyone do when we're in the midst of feeling pain? We always try to find a way to get out of our pain. We try to over overcome it, we try to compensate for it, we try to numb ourselves for it, and our world, and you and I have done this in so many ways. You know, if I can just get married to the right person, if my kids can just live the right life, if I can have people think of me higher than they do right now, my world will be good. 
if I can just get more money, if I can buy a new house or buy a new car or more updated devices, if I can be successful, win the championship, or then numbing it with alcohol and drugs, our world is just drowning in this one. False religion, if I can just have some spiritual high experience, then maybe my life will start to work. And there's countless other ways in which you you and I do this. I could spend an hour with you easily and share with you the insane ways that Dan Smythe has tried to deal with his brokenness in all the wrong ways. And you could probably help me understand hopefully less insane ways that you've done this. But we've all done this. And what does the Bible say? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. In other words, as Ryan has indicated to you in the past, all of our attempts to escape from our brokenness only like bungee cords, they snap us right back into even more levels of pain, more experiences of brokenness. They never work. Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So friends, we got to understand, this is what the people that you pass by every day are like. And for some of them, they're believing the delusion that this isn't really true about them, but in reality, it is. The people at Safeway, the people at Starbucks, the people across the street, this is their life, even if they don't want to admit it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. The way of peace they have not known. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. But God never created this world to live out that kind of brokenness. The Bible says this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. So he created this world with a perfect design. Not the one on the right side, but the one we're going to unfold here He created it with a perfect design. And I want to suggest this little phrase to maybe describe what that design is that he created everything for. Our holy creator created us to enjoy his love in a dependent, fulfilling, joyful, and unbroken relationship with him. No pain or shame, fullness of love and beauty and joy. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the angels in heaven never ceased to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then it goes on. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. We love because he first loved us. The psalmist says, you, God, made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Friends, the lost people all around us 
that we see as we live out our lives desperately need to hear these realities. And the Lord has given you and me the crucial and joy-filled opportunity to convey these truths to them. Now here's the insanity of humanity. Every single one of us in human history and right now in this room, we've all said, God, I know better than you about how life is to be lived. My ways are higher than your ways. All of us have placed ourselves where this holy and loving and majestic God deserves to be on the throne. God, I know better than you about how to deal with my brokenness. God, I know better than you about how to find my way to salvation. And the Bible calls that sin. Our original parents, this is where it all started. You know it in Genesis 3. Our original parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God and brought sin into the world. And as descendants of Adam and Eve, we have all, we have all participated in this sin. Look at what it says. Let me remind you of these verses in Genesis 2 and 3. The Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then in Romans 5, Paul brings it all back into our lives. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that would be Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned, they died through one man's trespass. And then Isaiah brings it even, he he just expands on that. Of course, he was prior to Paul, I know. But Isaiah, look at how he said it. Woe to those. This is what you and I have done. This is what everyone has done. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his or her own way. Now what we need to help those around us understand and what we need to really grasp so we can share this effectively is that sin is a slavery. It's not just breaking the rules, but it is an actual slavery that goes much deeper than mere behavior. I like to say it this way. Sin is the very personal and self-chosen rebellion against God by which we decide that we will make something besides God into that which will carry the ultimate value and worth in our life. As a result, things, even good things, become gods. In our life, which enslave us mentally 
and spiritually and drive us unrelentlessly and ultimately to hell forever if we will let them. So the root of our sin is our rejection of God and his perfect design for life and thus our rejection of his word. Look at how this is described all the way back in Genesis 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. And then if you've never seen Jeremiah 2.13, let me hopefully bring this into your mind so it never leaves. Look at this in Jeremiah. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And therefore there's this barrier between everyone apart from Jesus, everyone, there's this barrier between them and their holy loving God. Your iniquities, the Bible says, have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. We are separated from him. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So I want to suggest to you that the people you sit next to in a concert or a movie theater who do not know Jesus, who you see at Starbucks or Safeway or Fred Meyer or wherever else, the people that you give the credit card to, this is where their life is being lived out between the bookends of a bearer of their sin between themselves and their holy loving God and the ultimate death that they're marching toward more closely every single day. This is their life. The point is, the lost people around us that we see every single day desperately need to hear these realities. And the Lord has given you and me the crucial and the joy-filled opportunity to convey these truths to them. In other words, let's summarize here. We're going to get to the good news in just a second. Aren't we ready for that? (laughs) Before we do, let's make sure we get this. Those people at Starbucks are currently under God's righteous wrath. Whoever does not obey the Son does not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him or her right now. And... They're awaiting, without even knowing it, they're awaiting God's righteous wrath for eternity beyond death. Paul says it in Romans 2, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the future day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So they're under God's current wrath right now, not even knowing it, So let's stop for just a minute and deal with this whole issue of God's wrath. When I bring that up, when you hear that, so often, you know, people's skin starts to crawl. They just don't like this thing about God's wrath. Let's think about it for a moment. 
Let's ask this question. Does the fact that God displays wrath show that he is bad, evil, or mean? No. Even in our human relationships, the more a parent loves their son or daughter, the more that parent hates in that child the slavery of the drunkard, the liar, the deceiver that has taken over their child's life. Well, God in his divine perfection expresses his holy and just wrath not as a selfish explosion like I can do so easily, but as his settled and holy and loving opposition to the cancer of sin, which is eating out the insides of the entire human race that he created. His wrath, therefore, is a crucial facet of his holy love as the God of the universe who in his perfection must come against sin in all its forms. Anger is not the opposite of love. It is a vital part of love. Anger is the loving response to anything that threatens that which we cherish with a righteous love. A God who doesn't get angry is a God who does not care about justice. A God who doesn't get angry is a God who doesn't love. And God's wrath is always and only a holy and righteous wrath, and it proceeds out of his holy and righteous love as it comes against the sin which seeks to destroy his cherished creation. So there's the problem as we turn the page to the good news. The world apart from Jesus is currently living under God's wrath right now and awaiting God's eternal wrath after death. It is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. That's the bad news. You can't understand and even be passionately committed to getting the good news out there if you do not deeply own and understand and realize the seriousness of the bad news. And the lost people around us that we see and live out our lives around desperately need to hear these realities, and you and I have been given the crucial and joy-filled opportunity to convey these truths to their lives. Let's go to the good news. God created a door out of our brokenness. Our gracious God did not leave us to try to resolve this tragedy through our own efforts, knowing that in our weakness, we could never do so. Instead, he provided us with a door out of our brokenness. He provided us with the only way to be freed from our overwhelming sin. It says so clearly in 2 Peter, the Lord is patient towards you and not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So it brings the third circle. As Ryan has shared with you, I call it the remedy. We had the problem, we had the plan, the perfect plan, now we have the remedy. And of course, this is where Jesus comes into the story. The angel answered, Mary, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Christ to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The angel said to Joseph, that which is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. This is staggering, friends. The Son of God coming in the flesh to redeem the world. For God, we had to get John 3.16 in this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then Jesus' own words He said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I came from the Father and have come into the world. So be sure we get this. God the Father sent his best. He sent his son. No mere angel would do. God the Son is the creator, he is the savior, and he is the coming king. The Bible says, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. He, that meaning God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. All things were made through him. That's God the son. And without him was not anything made that was made. So God the father sent God the son as the divine source of abundant life and living water and heavenly bread. The Bible says it so clearly. Jesus speaking, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you knew the gift of God, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. For the bread of life is he who came, comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Friends, the lost people around us that we see in our lives desperately need to hear these realities. And God has given you and me the vital and ultimately joy-filled opportunity to convey these truths to them. So let's go back to that God's perfect plan circle. When Jesus came into the world, he came to show that he is God, that he is perfect, and that he came to live out that design. Look at this. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's God, he's perfect. And he came to live out that design. In every respect, Jesus has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Oh, how much deceit has been found in my mouth over the 68 years of my journey. No deceit in his. 
You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So his perfect life, his sinless life for 33 years, provides us with new life that we can now have. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What is that new? It's the life of Jesus that we now can have as our gift as we go through our human frailties and struggles with an eternity that's secured. But Jesus came from the God the Father not only to live on our behalf. Oh, did he ever come to do that? He also came from God the Father, as we know, to die on our behalf. God made you alive together with Christ by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The perfect life of Jesus, he came, he lived, he died. So we're talking about his substitutionary death on our behalf. The bread of life became hungry. The water of life became thirsty. The creator of life died, and he did it all for us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is one of the most staggering verses in the New Testament. If you ever haven't latched on to 1 Peter 3.18, try to do it right now, okay? This is amazing. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Wow. Is that amazing? Is this staggering? What he's done. (laughs) So it brings us, of course, to the empty tomb, to the resurrection, And that resurrection is what provides us the guarantee that all this worked. I like to say it this way. The resurrection is the amen of God the Father to the it is finished of God the Son. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead. He provides our new life. He provides our forgiveness. And therefore, Paul says in Romans 4, righteousness will be canon to us who believe in him, that's God the Father, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I say it again. The lost people around us that we come across every single day desperately need to hear these realities. And you and I have been given the crucial and joy-filled opportunity to convey these truths to them. But there's a response. How do we receive all of these amazing benefits that that Jesus Remedy Circle communicates? Well, the Bible makes it clear. We first of all have to turn. We have to turn from all of those incredibly foolish and futile strategies we've employed to try to deal with our own pain and brokenness. 
Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not our repentance that leads God to be kind. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And as we turn from those sinful, rebellious strategies we've employed, we trust. We turn to trust in everything that Jesus has done on our behalf. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what the Bible means throughout the book of Acts, throughout the letters of the New Testament. Repent and believe. Turn to trust. Well, the result is we're restored never to be under either current wrath or eternal wrath ever again, never to be condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Again, the lost people around us, They need to understand these truths. These truths are for them. These realities are for them. But there's still more. Here's where we come in. Those of us who are already in Christ. We have been commissioned to go. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And one other, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. How? Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, let me ask you a question. What is this a picture of? It's not a picture of a church facility on a record-breaking heat day and no one came. (laughs) Okay, it's rather a picture of unopened gifts in a worship center just like this. And this, I think, is what the Lord sees as he views the typical gathering of worshipers in our U.S. churches today. This is what the typical church in the U.S. looks like when it comes to unleashing the incredible multiplication potential that God wants his church to express through every believer in the church being able to confidently share the gospel personally with a lost neighbor, coworker, family member, or stranger. But due to never having been trained for, mentored in, and modeled to 
regarding how to share their faith in a God-dependent as well as confident and relational way with a lost person, they sit there week after week like unopened gifts. And this was never the way it was supposed to be. Let me share with you a sobering reality. 95% of all Bible-believing, Christ-loving church people in the U.S. will die without ever sharing their faith in Christ with a single person in the entirety of their life journey as a believer. 95%. In other words, nine and a half Christians out of every 10 Christians in our country have never shared and will never share their faith with a lost person. To really get the impact, I put it up there in a graphic, okay? You see the one half of one of those 10 people, statistics prove this, who as a Christian will even once share their faith with a lost person before they die. And I think there's two reasons for this. The real issue of our lack of reaching the lost people around us has two parts. One, for most believers today, seeking opportunities to connect with non-Christians personally for the distinct purpose of sharing the gospel with them is not even on one's daily mental radar or on one's daily spiritual and prayer radar or on one's relational radar. Just not even thinking about it or planning for it. Two, for most believers today, they have never been given significant training, mentoring, and modeling on how to connect with non-believers for the specific purpose of sharing the gospel. Most Christians, all they ever hear from leaders is, hey, go share your faith. Hey, go share your faith. I sure hope you're sharing your faith. And if all they ever get is exhortation, it ends up with the results that we have. The issue can be summarized like this. No problem is a real problem until we finally realize and admit that it's our problem. Now, I want to improve on that, okay? I want to improve on that just a bit. No joy-filled opportunity is a real joy-filled opportunity until we finally realize and admit that it's actually our joy-filled opportunity. Now, let's go back to that verse we saw a moment ago. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Friends, I know your pastor is one of my dearest brothers in Christ. I know that Pastor Ryan is not only providing on a weekly opportunity, he desires everyone. By the way, he did not tell me to preach this sermon. He didn't tell me what to say. He said, Dan, there's the date, okay? He now has no idea that I'm saying this. But I'm telling you, I have nothing to lose here, okay? I'm telling you, your pastor is very special, He's willing to actually train you, mentor you, model to you, encourage you through a training process that God says you and I are accountable for. He doesn't just say, go out and do it. He says, I will, I will come alongside you. I will pass on to you what Timothy Initiative has passed on to Dan and Ryan so that you can get it as well, so that you can apply it. You can have that joy-filled opportunity, and you can pass it on. And that's the fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, let me tell you, before we quit, each of you has four tools in your personal evangelism tool belt. 
all of which you need to use in the process of fulfilling the Great Commission. First of all, you've all got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the day planner, he's the power giver, he's the word illuminator, and he's the heart opener. He does it all when we open our mouths, fill up with the Ethiopian eunuch, and point to who Jesus is. We've got the spirit, we've got the word, we've already seen today. The word clearly shows our brokenness, God's design, Christ's provision, and the offer of the gospel. We've got the word. We've got God's person. Who is God's person? It's me. It's you. You've got your time. You've got your friendship. You've got your story of how God changed your life. You've got your authenticity. And you've got God's people. We're here together. Their prayer, their encouragement, their partnership, and their accountability. God's spirit, God's word, God's person, and God's people. We've all got those four tools. Let me give you a warning. There are four common barriers that block fruitfully reaching lost people, all of which need to be avoided in our ministry of fulfilling the Great Commission. First of all, it's thinking that it's someone else's responsibility to do this. Not mine. That's for someone else. Not what I just saw in the Bible in the last 30 minutes. Two, thinking that our role is limited to bringing other people to our church. It's wonderful to invite people here, but I'll tell you right now, statistics are proving the vast majority of people in Northwest Washington will never come into a church building until they've already been saved. Not happening. Few now and then, so keep inviting, but why don't we try to get the salt out of the salt shaker, and we're the salt, get out of our very God-honoring church gatherings, and is this a God-honoring church gathering? Absolutely. And get into the lives of the lost across the table at Starbucks and build a relationship. You can be trained on how to do that. Three, thinking that our focus is on getting people saved. It's, Dan, your pressure, you've got to get them to Christ. No, that's the Holy Spirit's work. We just share the seed, we show the love. Share, show the love, share the seed. God does what has to be done. And finally, falling into the trap of turning people into our gospel project. Oh, I got another one, that's a notch on my belt. Number two, oh, aren't I great? No, didn't, isn't he great? Look at what he did for me. So here's the good news and I'll close with this. You've been very patient. All of that can change in any church and how can it change? by linking the great commission of Matthew 28 that we've already read with the strategy for its fulfillment that Paul gives us in 2 Timothy 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is exactly what the Timothy Initiative is so good at providing to us. I'm the recipient of that, as is your dear Pastor Ryan. The Timothy Initiative addresses the issue of the unopened gifts. So what is the goal of God as we get ready to pray? What's the goal of God for your most important journey? That you and I would be commissioned to go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this amazing book and the amazing life of our Lord and Savior Jesus. You have done more than we could ever think or ask. It's beyond our full grasp and what a treasure it is to be your vessels, your ambassadors, to proclaim it and live it out and share it with the lost and needy broken world. In the name of Jesus, amen.